I feel like when you're ready to have a child, they should give you photography lessons. Given <laughs> how much photography we do, there should be a photography course if you want to be a parent, you know? Yes, <laughs> absolutely should. But And one of the tips should be when you take a million photos, pick the one and then immediately discard all the other ones. Yeah, but each photo is a precious angel. That's the thing. It's really hard to press delete on your kid. Do it when you're really pissed with them. You know, when they're while they're in timeout. That oh, is great advice. That's when you delete. Oh, business oh, idea. Business idea. Yes. Yes. Phone, phone folder cleanup service. I will give you an objective point of view on which photo is cute and delete the rest for you. You don't have objectivity. That's brilliant. I yeah. feel like that is a viable business. Yeah. I'll I have to say, there are some kids, if their moms gave me their phone, they'd come back with an empty phone. And they'd be like, <laughs> you were supposed to save the cutest. I'm like, sorry, that there were none. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to We Heart Mom Jokes. I'm Lalita. I'm Smitha. I'm the queer single mom by choice of a 14-year-old. I'm a married straight mom of two and me and Lalita met doing stand-up comedy. And we started the We Heart Mom Jokes podcast years ago at the start of the pandemic because we were wondering were other moms and parents finding it as hard as we did to parent during a pandemic and it turned out Yes, they do. So we decided to ask some people that we really like other comics. And we have with us today, Kim Evie. Kim is an LA-based comedian. And of course, she's a mom. She has performed at Laugh Factory. And she's been on TV. We're in the presence of comedy greatness. Yay, we're famous by proxy again. <laughs> My favorite kind of famous. We're so excited that you're here today with us, Kim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Okay, so before we start the episode, as we always do, here's a clip from Kim's stand-up so you can hear a little bit about her life in her words. People ask me all the time why my parents decided to adopt, and the reason I always give is they wanted to give a child a chance, because I think that sounds so much better than undescended testicles. People also ask me if I've ever met my real parents, and I have to explain to them that the term real parents is actually very hurtful to my imaginary parents. <laughs> but the answer is no, I've never tried to look for my birth parents. I just don't have enough information. But, you know, even if I did, I, I wouldn't look for them because ever since I can remember, I've always been very lazy. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work. Not into it. But no, my, my parents are wonderful people. They are both white. And there have been some great advantages to growing up Asian with white parents. Never had to take piano or violin lessons growing up. No pressure to go to an Ivy League school or become a doctor. If you guys were Asian, this would be killing right now, the whole thing. All right, Kim, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. So here we are, the We Heart Mom jokes. Yay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's nice to hang out with other moms. 
isn't it? It's like we're such a strange group because like being a mom is one of the unfunnier things around there. But it is also one of the more bizarre experiences I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's totally bizarre, especially in a pandemic. But I think I'm one of the only moms that didn't have too much of a problem with it. So everybody hates me. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Another reason to hate other moms. I love it. Because, okay, <laughs> like in your stand-up, you talk about your experience with your parents. But what about your experience as a parent? How many kids do you have? How old are they? What's going on? Yeah. And, and do uh, you mind? I, I guess, I don't know. Do you mind if we talk about adoption in this? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Okay. And yeah, there's no, there's nothing off limits there. We, we have an open adoption, so. Oh, okay. I know you get to see other kids. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that so much. It's so, I love how your comedy is super real and so funny at the same time. I think it's so unexpected because it is a serious topic. Right. You just don't see that coming. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I have one son, he's five and uh, he's adopted mm -hmm. and he's a great kid. And I, so here's the thing, I'm an older mom, which mm -hmm. makes it so much easier. I have one kid, which makes it so much easier. I just got back from a play date with three moms and they all have two kids. And I was just like, la, 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 getting in the car, got one kid, see you guys, you know, and we just pull out and I'm like, bye. And they're all still like, get over here, come here, go, you know, I just yeah. was like, all right, that's why I'm only having one kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've thrown my back out trying to wrestle, you know, different people into car seats, like, it's so bad. How many do you have? A five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And yeah, wrestling them into car seats is basically a full contact body sport. Like they should have competitive car seat entry, <laughs> you know, like MMA <laughs> or whatever. We have so many good ideas on, on, you know, we had a smelling bee last episode and now we have yeah. competitive car seat wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that should totally be a sport. Yeah, yeah. Totally like elimination head to head. I hear you on on the uh, on the only having one kid that you're kind of just cruising through, but just chill. Like when you have a, a family and you're expected to, you know, keep things somewhat ticking over. I never had any of those pressures. So people often feel that single moms are getting a really rough deal. But I was always like, yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My friend, I don't know if you guys know Lynn Sun, but she's. Yes. yes. Have you had her on? Yes. Yes. We're big she's fans. been on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Lynn cracks me up because I'm like, on Mother's Day, I was like, I I bow down to you. And she was like, oh, I bow down to you. I could not do this with a husband. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I feel like it's the people who have three kids or more that I'm really in awe of because you once you're be outnumbered, outnumbered by your kid, you should not be outnumbered by your kids. Although yeah. I have a friend who says that after three, they become a self-regulating economy. So like if you have a cookie you don't have to be like one for you one for you you just throw your throw a cookie in the center and say fight it out <laughs> so really the, the theory here is that the difference between one and two is massive but the difference between three and seven is negligible is that what i'm hearing you say yeah basically that i find that that's going to be hard to scientifically uh, back up but i love it as a premise <laughs> Yeah, it's, it sounds like the difference between three and seven it just become at that point it's just primal like at that point, you don't have to do much parenting. It's just like a, a pack. Yeah. yeah, you just, everyone's staying alive. Okay, keep going. Exactly. You just have to provide at that point, I think. Yeah. It's, it's not so much, you know, 
like, you know, leading them or teaching them. It's just like, as long as everybody's alive and you have nutrients (laughs) and a place to sleep, Mm -hmm. we're good. Yeah. No one's trying to do cumon or piano. Yeah. But that's kind of how, you know, I I don't know how old you guys are, but I was raised in the 70s and 80s. And that's kind of how it was back then a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it was a much more free range childhood. Yeah. I mean, you just were out on your bike or whatever. And I mean, I I don't feel particularly nostalgic about it. Like people paint this as this idealistic childhood. I mean, I was bullied relentlessly by the neighborhood kids. I don't know that I would necessarily recommend it, but there was a sense of you just got on with it. You just came home to eat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't idyllic by any means, but you had freedom for sure. Right. Yes. Yes. Freedom. I didn't, I would have much preferred to be home and (laughs) have the kind of very, the kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Cuddly, cuddled life that my son has, but (laughs) just wasn't the way. It's really funny to to think about that because yeah, we do have, we do paint this picture of like, oh, it's so great. And you could ride your bike and everything. But yeah, when you think about it, like the seventies kind of like, it feels gross when you think about it. (laughs) Like it feels like the pictures of the seventies, like the, the wood panel walls and just the, you know, like the weird mustaches and like, that's what our childhood felt like. Yeah. And everything was seafoam green, right? That was a fashionable <laughs> color. Fuck. No, I just, I feel like it was, for me, the colors of the 70s were like orange and yellow and, and wood paneling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like burnt orange. And, and there was macrame. We had a lot of macrame in what's my macrame? house. What's macrame? Did you just say what's macrame? Well, I also didn't grow up in the US. So it might, is it like crochet? it's it's kind of like crochet but you it's knots that you do with your hand and it's you it's so ugly but there was this whole thing that happened in the 70s where people got really into it and so you it's basically decorative knots that you would either make wall hangings out of or you would make plant planters that you would hang from the ceiling and hang your plants in and it you was can buy them like, now in world market for 30 dollars each or whatever if you really want to have a macrame plant hanger yeah, but it was just this fad in the 70s that, and you would hang beads on it and you could make macrame owls. My mom made, my mom and I made probably hundreds of macrame owls and we'd give them to people and they would pretend to be delighted. The more you say macrame, the stranger the word sounds to me, macrame. Yeah, well, you can, <laughs> when we're done, you Google it and then you can Google macrame owl and you'll just be terrified. Okay. You <laughs> so- know what? I was a child of the 80s. I think I count as a geriatric millennial or whatever the elder millennial, whatever they're calling them now. And I remember the, the decorative thing that was like very high status and exciting for me was beaded curtains. Oh, what oh. is that even? Yeah, I remember people having those and me just wishing with all of my heart that we could have one of those in my house, but we did not. Would it be, was it like the beads that were hanging that you would walk through or is it actually no. beads? No, it was, yeah, it was like strings of beads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a curtain. That you would hang in a doorway? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. And they made this clickety noise, like it was very ASMR, like, you know, this clickety noise when you went through them and stuff. Like, it was just... Now, we're a very international um, parenting group here because neither Smith nor I grew up in the United States. And I, I gather you did, Kim. Where did you grow up? I did. I grew up all over the place, actually, in California. And then I was in North Carolina when I was like four or five. And then when I was like six, seven, I was in Alabama. And then I was in 
and then California again. And then we landed in Albuquerque, New Mexico Oh, nice for my middle school and high school. And then, yeah, so it was weird. My dad, he was not in the military, but he worked for the military. So he had contracts like that. So we just kept hopping around. So, so it was, it was interesting because I was the little Asian kid in, in the South for a while. So that was Wow. And so we also have, uh, our children have very multicultural, interesting historical trajectories. I mean, my son and I are both white and he's now an American kid. He's been here since he was two, but you know, my Dutchness will never, I will never not be Dutch. So I'm, I'm, my son asked me things like, you know, why can't I have a TV in my room? Why this, why that? And my answer is always we're Dutch. And, and he's okay. That explains it to him as well. We, there's no further questions. <laughs> you should oh, try it sometime. That's interesting. And then how much of your Dutch heritage do you teach him? And, and does he know about, I'm curious about this. Oh, that's an interesting one. I mean, I, he knows that, that, you know, I mean, Dutch history is a very violent history with us on the wrong side of that. So I, I guess I talk about that. And then we do some of the festivals and, you know, I have a calendar on my wall, which shows pretty tulips and everything. So I think he's very aware of um, of the mixed feelings I have about my own heritage. Okay. I, I ask you this because actually for me, a little bit for my kid, but some for me, because so I'm adopted and I, my parents are white. And so then I personally have never been interested in my Korean heritage. And a lot of that was because when I was a kid, my mom gave me a choice, like, you know, well, she tried, she was like trying to introduce me to it. And, you know, as a kid, you don't want to stick out in any way, shape or form. So I was like, no, don't, I don't want to know that. I don't, I don't want to be different. And so that kind of stuck with me. And then I, as an adult, I'm just lazy. So I'm like, Korea is probably very neat, but you know, I want to go there someday, but I have no more interest in knowing about the history of Korea than I do the history of Germany or France or, you know, anywhere Mm -hmm. else. (laughs) But now I have a son who, even though he's adopted, he is half Korean. So I'm like, should I be teaching him about Korea now? Or am I bad? Am I bad Korean? <laughs> Tell him to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> the, techie, the techie parenting style. Thank you for representing the Bay Area, Smith. We appreciate yeah, it. No. I've so learned. Wikipedia, have at it. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I'm interested um... in both of your perspectives on this. So. I have realized that I did so much traveling with my son in his first 10 years and he doesn't remember anything of it. So I feel what happens in the first 10 years is pointless. Here's a piece of parenting advice for you moms of kids under 10. Don't bother. Don't bother. Just, it doesn't matter. So don't worry about this until he's 10, Kim, is what I'm saying. Because even, because yeah, at five, he'll, I'll be like, do you remember, you know, when we went and saw so-and-so, uh, you know, do you remember? And a lot of it is pre-pandemic too. Like, do you remember Nathan? Do you remember when we went to see his Lego exhibit? Do you remember this? And he'll be like, no, but do you remember in the video game when we like dropped a rock on that character and he went, nah, 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 and he danced? I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> <sighs> Here's the thing. I've been doing the math on this, right? If your kid is five, They've spent a fifth of their life in lockdown. Mm. That's oh. a lot, a whole year. And like my three-year-old, like, yeah, a third of her life in like, well, in quarantine, in oh shelter. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. Um, terrifying thoughts, Smitha. I know. it's You and your math, always. Always math. But you know, I, I don't really have any conclusions after that. Just 
hey, it's a long time. Um, but <laughs> so, Smita, what about your kids and, you know, teaching them about your, like, how much of your culture do you have in your life? Very little, actually. So I'm Indian and uh, of Indian descent. And I grew up in Singapore, though. I don't know. I just feel like if you want to live a culture, you kind of have to be immersed in it or it's really tough. So the culture, they, the cultural experience they have is American, basically. And anything else is such an effort. And even if you pull out all the stops and say, let's celebrate Diwali and, you know, this and that, like, it's still like, I just, I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel organic. Like, it feels like you've plugged it in, mm-hmm. you know, and then you plug it out and you go back to real life, right? Yeah. But so I, I don't know. It's a... So, okay, so like, as we're talking about these social events and things, I've, I've been wondering, Kim, what are you excited about? What are you excited about society opening up again slowly, you know? Like, for me, one of the first things I did was go to Target. Just wonder. I, I still got a little anxious. In the yeah. I'm, I'm not excited about anything. <laughs> I'm such a homebody that mm. I, I like being at home and at first, I mean I certainly went through uh phases during the pandemic where uh, it would get to me and I would cry and be like it's never gonna end and, uh, but then at a certain point I really settled in and I was like I'm okay I'm okay this is okay mm-hmm. and uh so now I don't want to go back to real life because it means responsibility and it means I have to see people that I don't choose to interact with. And that's been the best part, honestly, is when you are quarantined, the only people that you really have to interact with are when you don't have school-age children, yeah. are the people that you choose to interact with. And that has been a very weird blessing. <laughs> it's true. And if anybody asks you to do something, you can be like, sorry, bubble, quarantine, goodbye. And yeah. Just- Yeah, because when and I know, you know, my kid is going to go into first uh, into kindergarten this year. And so I'm going to do the thing where suddenly I'm going to inherit a bunch of people that I don't know that I don't necessarily like. So that's going to be hard. You know, even when he was in preschool, the very first day of preschool, it was a madhouse and they all have to wash hands before they start their preschool. And, you know, he was what three four I you know he was small and he was at the sink and he was washing his little hands and he was you know doing it thoroughly and there was a mom granted she had another child on her hip so she probably was very harried and but Charlie was finishing washing his hands and he was reaching up for the towel and she was like okay okay that's enough look can we get on with it and I just wanted to punch her in the face because I was like don't talk to my kid like that he's just doing his little hands you know but and I fixated on that you know I was like okay buddy got him set left the preschool and I was driving home and I was like enraged Mm. by this woman and I thought I'm not gonna be able to do like 12 years of how am I gonna (laughs) like but you know that's why when people complain about dating I'm like okay making family friends is even harder because it's you know each member multiplied by all the other members have to get along right oh my god yeah and when you have two oh That's like, harder math. Do that math, Smita. It's like exponential. I don't know what it is. It's like a cube or something. It's so, it's crazy. I feel there's a square root in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, let's throw in a log, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is definitely a tangent. But yeah. But it's and- true. Like when you, especially if you're in a place where you're just going to keep going through school with these same kids, like you might know these families for 12 years. I mean, oh my God, that's a commitment. 
Well, okay, now I'd like to commence one of my favorite rants, if it's okay with this group, which yes. is, the, I'm so angry that the village has kind of fallen apart, right? Because like previously you had inbuilt community, you had cousins and you like, maybe you hated most of the people because it was a forced network, but at least it was there. Now you kind of have to go and build it all on your own. And I'm so angry about it because it's exhausting and it's difficult and it doesn't quite work. And I think it really speaks to the point of, you know, why are my kids' friends, moms, my friends? It's partially because they help me out. I mean, when you have a seven-year-old child, you don't need friends. You need people to help you take care of your kid, especially as a single mom. And so from that point of view, it totally makes sense, Mita. That was my village, was the moms of other friends. And if they were willing to have my kid for the night or pick up some a frozen pizza when they're at Target, hey, that met all my friendship criteria. Like, you don't need to really understand my childhood. Oh my God, I never thought about it that way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah because I have two friends now and I see them like twice a week because we have play dates. Mm -hmm. There's and your village. You're creating the village. <laughs> so I'm raising, wow. a, I'm raising a kid and also, you know, looking for a place to, where, you know, when he goes to school, like we're going to be retiring. You know, we're not, like normally people, my, all my friends have kids who are going off to college right, right now. Right. Yeah. And when he, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. All my friends are like, I just enrolled in a dance class and my friends are taking it with me. And by the time Charlie goes to college, I'm going to be like, I just enrolled in Medicare and all my <laughs> friends are dead. So. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was in my early 20s, one of my friends got married and had a kid really quick. And we were like, what? And now her kid is like doing triathlons for fun. And he's like, you know, a teenager. And we're all like, oh, wait, what? A diapers? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we're, 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 we're building our own village. I love that. You know, I watched the show Big Love on, it was a TV oh, series. I love that show. A polygamous family in Utah or wherever. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was like a very fun TV show. But like, you know, at first I was like, oh, let me judge them. Then I was like, wait, hang on. Someone's always going to watch your kid. There's always a meal cooked at home. Like there's always <laughs> a pair of hands around to help. And oh, the worst is you have to share your husband. I'm like, eh, is it so bad? Like, it, <laughs> Um, sister wives i think it might be the it might be the way of the future really yeah or brother husbands nobody talks about brother husbands. i i find it always very amusing um you know as a queer single mom when people offer polyandry as the feminist uh, antidote to polygamy like well if men can have multiple wives then women should have be, a, be able to have multiple husbands like i've never met one single woman who would want to have more than one husband oh god no yeah why right okay so it's not just me <laughs> no you no. know i think instead of polygamy maybe we should call it like a husband timeshare or something and then it sounds much more like an investment and you know the husband timeshare i think a lot of women could get on board with that if we could remove it from it and we also don't want to make it sound like polygamy is benign necessarily because it's not really a great system but the husband timeshare i like that yeah or they should or we should just have co-ops right isn't that what what those are like people just living the village we come back to the village we've like, come back to the village yes <laughs> yeah yeah we just want a group of people who 
uh, you know, a community together. You don't have to all go into like these uh, weird permutations of po- polygamy and polyandry, really. That's not what I want. See, but I, if I had the husband timeshare, I would want a timeshare like in, in Hawaii or something. Yes. <laughs> I would want him not to be there a lot of the time. But then I feel like to, to go with the timeshare model, he would have to have timeshares in other places and then the wives would be there. Yeah. Then that would, that would defeat the purpose. And then getting out would be a nightmare, you know? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You have to like approach other women and be like, do you want to do this? It's really a good deal. And they'd be like, it is not. And they'd be like, it is. Come on. Just take it. Come on. (laughs) It's not as nice as the brochures promised. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, you got duped. And I'm like, I know. (sighs) I know. Yeah, well, you know, I have this other theory that families are multi-level marketing at its finest because like parents have kids and then what do they want? They want grandkids and all they want is for kids to have kids and kids to have kids. And like there are levels to this. Like, for example, um, the older I get, the more my Facebook feed is just filled with high school friends talking about their families. And so Mm. that's also kind of just an MLM thing, right? Suddenly all your high school friends are like. um, And uh, the the last thing is that... um, it takes so long for the return on investment to come back to you. <laughs> so, yeah. Families. Yeah. So yeah, families are the ultimate pyramid scheme. I love it. Oh, oh yeah. Totally. So I made a bad investment actually. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be around for oh. the return investment <laughs> unless, um, unless he makes some interesting choices. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, he could, just, he could just become a teenage billionaire. There seem to be many of those around these days. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. I mean, the grandchildren, you know. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. You were continuing with the analogy and I had moved on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, um, I did tell my kid when I, when he was nine or something, and I'm like, oh, God, I hate enforcing rules. I'm so bad at that aspect of parenting. And I can't, so I said to him, I can't wait to be grandma because when you're grandma, you just, you can just do the, you know, the games and ice cream and you don't have to do the enforcing of rules. And he did share with me that he felt a little bit pressured by that age nine, that I was already (laughs) (laughs) fantasizing about being, being a grandma. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, I realized the other day, and I'm sure other people have noted this, but like my grandma used to drive us crazy with her camera every time we would go there and she'd be like, let's take pictures. And we're like, stop it, grandma, stop it. And then now I'm in my kid's face with the camera, like all every day, like every day, almost constantly. So Mm -hmm. I feel really bad for him. And I didn't realize I was doing it until now he started going like, no pictures. He holds up his hands, like in a crisscross, like I'm, you know, Dracula and he's warding me off. He's like, no pictures. Wow. And he's five and he's already there. Cause my kid is there now as a teenager, we're going to New York city in a couple of weeks. And I've already told him once we're in New York city, you're going to have to let me take your picture. And I've already been told there's absolutely no way that's happening. You have to do paparazzi style, like just hide behind a trash can and then jump out and (laughs) (laughs) I need to get the wide angle distant lens on my iPhone. You're gonna have to hire a private investigator to follow you around and get pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I could just Photoshop him into the Empire State Building. I could do this, I don't know, but I like the paparazzi idea. 
Oh, you know, like Kim, I, I totally feel you though, because I also like am hounding my children with my camera and they get very tired of it. I feel like they do the opposite of what Tyra Banks said on America's Next Top Model. You have to do the smize, which is the smile with your eyes, right? But they do the opposite where they like bare their teeth, but their eyes are kind of like glazed out. <laughs> we get that a lot too. You're kind of being forced to smile under duress. Mm -hmm. so. Wait till you start the school pictures. How early does that start? I, I think first grade is when it starts. Okay, so that's an interesting one. As my kid got older, the pictures got more and more horrible. <laughs> and the school knows this, right? They make you pay for them before you get them because they know that you're not actually going to want them. So <laughs> put it, capitalism rules. So yeah, I had to tell him, if you do that again for the picture, the school photo... <laughs> Yeah. You're paying for it. I mean, it was hilarious, but it was also horrible. It's so weird that they have school pictures still because we take like a gazillion pictures of our yeah. kids and still they're like, sit down here. You have to pay like $50 for a bunch right? of pictures that you don't want when you have literally hundreds of thousands of pictures so of your child. Yeah. I feel like, you know, when you're ready to have a child, they like give you some information on like if you're pregnant like pregnancy and childbirth or like you know feeding and changing they should give you photography lessons given <laughs> how much photography we do there should be a photography course if you want to be a parent you know yes <laughs> absolutely should but and one of the tips should be when you take a million photos pick the one and then immediately discard all the other ones otherwise <laughs> within a month you will have amassed three thousand photos that you will never have time to go through and get rid of yeah, but each photo is a precious angel. That's the thing. It's really hard to press the leads on your kid. Do it when you're really pissed with them. You know, when they're while they're in timeout. That oh, is great advice. That's when you delete. Oh, business oh, idea. Business idea. Yes. Yes. Phone, phone folder cleanup service. I'll be like, I will give you an objective point of view on which photo is cute and delete the rest for you. You don't have objectivity. That's brilliant. I yeah. feel like that is a viable business. Yeah, I'll I have to say, there are some kids, if their moms gave me their phone, they'd come back with an empty phone. And they'd be like, you were supposed <laughs> to save the cutest. I'm like, sorry, that there were none. <laughs> it would be the Marie Kondo of photography folder. Okay, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, but we've talked about this before. Wearing a mask has really got me practicing my smiles. Because when I walk by neighbors, I'm like, let me show them through my eyes that I am a good person and a, a reasonable citizen. I realized today because I was masked and I forgot that I was wearing a hat and sunglasses at the <laughs> park and a lady walked by and she kind of like half waved at me. And I was I, you know, I I smized at her, but I realized, oh, she can tell. I just I'm fully. Yeah, I'm Did not she available. Did yeah. you were like Aubrey he Audrey Hepburn? Like, what? Why did she wave at you? I assume you were wearing a little black dress and pearls, and you know. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. I was wearing a little black dress and yeah. pearls and heels, and I was carrying yeah. a pocketbook. And usual photograph. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and she kind of did a half wave at me. Kind of, it was a weird like. I acknowledge that we're walking by each other, and we have mm -hmm. children here. It was. It was a weird exchange, but. Um, yeah, I, I was totally incognito. Great. Yeah, this is how you, you can be invisible in public. That's a gift from this year. You know, you don't yeah. have to show any. Yeah, I uh, I have this a bit where I'm like, you know, you're in a pandemic when you're in a dark alley at night and a creepy stranger follows you. And your first thought is, you couldn't wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So Kim, do you have any advice? Although our promise is that we have no advice, but do you have any thoughts on re-entering society? Don't or... do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Great. My, my thoughts on re-entering society are don't do it. Stay home. Just live your life. Keep getting your groceries delivered <laughs> by Instacart. Mm, is your astrological sign cancer, Kim? No, it's Sagittarius. Although I just read that when you're adopted, they just randomly assign you a birthday. Oh, see, I think you might well be a Cancerian. Okay. The whole that- whole body. I did this, this satirical piece about star signs and for cancers, I wrote, you know, you're, you've just had the best year of your life. Stop whining. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I might have to reassess, honestly, because I just always assumed that my birthday was around December 1st. But then I read that, no, you know, when they find you and they have no records for you, like they literally have no records. So they're just like, ah, ish, this age, uh, I don't know. December 1st, sure. Um, pick a pick a star sign you like, pick a birthday you like. And I mean, December 1st is kind of cool, but you know, go with it. It's, it's yours. Yeah. yeah, it is. But I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't, uh, match a lot of the Sagittarius descriptions. I am not outdoorsy at all. Is it because star sign stuff is totally made up and nonsense? No, Smitha, that's not why. (laughs) It's much, a much more logical explanation for this phenomenon is that Kim was assigned the wrong star sign. (laughs) I have friends who do, um, you know, numerology and they've said, you know, we can figure out when you were born by working backwards. And I'm just like, no, no, that is, that's, no, I'm lazy. Mm. Even if they oh, could, yes. I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. It's true. That's very on brand. You promised at the very start that you're lazy and we're concluding here that you are truly lazy. So I'm very lazy. I just don't care enough about any of that. Kim, if any of our audience members are not lazy and want to work hard at finding you online, where can they do that? They can find me on Instagram at Kim Evie. K-I-M-E-V, like Victor, E-Y. And they can find me on Facebook at Kim Evie Comedy. And they can find me on Twitter at Kim Evie. But I don't really tweet. Twitter, I just keep because mm-hmm. I have a lot of people that follow me from something that I did a long, I just said something, from something that I did a long time ago, <laughs> a web series that I produced a long time ago. But what, I, What was that web series? It was called The Guild. And it's very good. And you can see it on Netflix. Woo! Um, so you're on Netflix. I'm not on it. I, I, I mean, I think I play a bag lady in one of the seasons. Um, but no, my friend Felicia Day wrote and starred in it. And it's very good. It's about an online game guild that plays a World of Warcraft like game that meets in person. And it's very funny, very well written and very well acted. And oh, wow. Yeah, Super. we'll so. look after that. Okay, awesome. You can find our podcast as always on Instagram at We Heart Mom Jokes. And uh, Lalita, where can we find you? I am at Lalita D Comedy. That's D W on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at almostfavorite.com. What? A website? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I have a website. So 1980s. Too. Oh, wait. What's your website? It's kimevy.com. I forget. Yeah, I, do. I have a website. <laughs> it's true we all have websites <laughs> tell you what if you want to find any of us just google it <laughs>